I want to open this morning by um, us singing two songs uh, of praise, both of which will be uh, upon the, the screen, because uh, neither of them are from the uh, hymn book or, or praise the Lord, but they are ones that we're, we're quite familiar with. The first of them is, Come, Now is the Time to Worship. And um, it's not that, it, in some senses, that there is anything special about a Sunday morning, because all of our lives should be worship and service to God. Sometimes, I think, during the week we forget about it a bit. Um, other things intrude, and, and maybe some of the time we're not 100% doing the things that we should for God. Uh, maybe that's only me. Maybe there, well, I, You weren't all nodding, you see, so I just kind of thought, hello, I'm on my own here for a moment there. Um, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> it was either that or, of course, the extra hour sleep has numbed you all into... Uh, in, into so, um, this is a kind of rededication, if we like, uh, to, to take it from here forward. This is the time to worship. Not just here this morning, but in our lives. And I, I think um, Andrew's got something to say about that in the excitation later on. And, and in recognition of that, we're then going to move straight in without, out, out of pause. And, uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to, to Mark. It's, a, it's a, I think, a reasonably easy key transition between the two, uh, Mark. <coughs> um, in, <laughs> in, in, yeah, a slight pause. Okay, slight pause in between. Moving into Holy One. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge you as Lord of all. Sometimes, Lord, in our lives, we don't let you reign. We get in the way. Sometimes we don't give you the glory and honour that is your due. But we pray that you will work with us, that you will help us and encourage us this morning, that we may be stronger, more willing to do the things that you want us to do and more open to your influence and power in our lives. <coughs> Lord, we recognise that all times in our lives are times to worship you. And we pray that our time together this morning will be something that, that enhances that, that triggers it, that pushes us forward in our service to you. And so, Lord, we pray for your, your presence here. Lord, we know you're here. Help us to, to sense that and to feel it in a way that, that helps us and encourages us. And we pray, Lord, that what we do, working together to serve you, may give you glory and honour. Amen. It's given me the care news for today. Mary and Jack are having a week's holiday with Norman and Margaret, and we hope and we pray that they will benefit from this break. We should also continue to pay for Pete Griffiths and all the family as Pete continues with his treatment. Gladys has had, and well, she has got a heavy cold and Tony's also suffering so she would appreciate any extra help people can offer this week. Pauline continues to find life difficult. Those who usually visit her are away so it would be great if somebody could pop in and see Pauline this week. We pray for John Bernani and the brothers and sisters in the Congo. John does appreciate contact and his details, including his mobile number, are all on the board at the back. I understand, Isa, that this week you will be 85. We hope God blesses your day and we thank God for you and the life that you've had. There are all the notices and announcements that I've been given. 
I, I don't know why it is, but I, but I always find the, the pastoral prayer difficult. I'm never really sure kind of what to ask God for because you know, I don't know what it is that he wants for, for, for people who are in various difficulties. So, what we're going to do this morning, I appear to have lost my pianist. Have I, oh, there you are, sorry. <laughs> Just a moment's panic there. So, so what I'm going to do this morning, because Steve's already read out the things that we should be concerned about, uh, about uh, I'm just going to, to ask Mark to, to quietly play in the background some music. And what I'm going to do um, is I'm just going to read out everybody's names. And, uh, and on your behalf, lay those before God uh, and leave it to him um, how to help uh, those people and, and, and strengthen them and, and work with them. I, I hope that's, that's all right with, with everybody. Uh, but that's... Now that's the way that I'd like to do it. Okay. Dear Lord, we want to bring before you several things this morning. Our visitors, we want to thank you for them and also ask that you bless them. Alex, Tim, uh, uh, Morris and Margaret, Those who um, are going to speak and offer your word to people today, Andrew and Steve. All of the various activities of the church through the week. Those who are in creche now, coffee morning on Tuesday club, Ashton clubs, Bible class, house groups, senior club. And those... um, who uh, are serving you from the platform next week, Neil and Linda Paul. We'd ask you to bless our, our involvement in Operation Christmas Child, both in getting people to be generous in their giving and um, in the recipients of, of that when it gets there. And for those who we know life is not easy for, I've got some names here, but maybe there are others too, for Mary and Jack, Norman and Margaret, Pete and Chris Griffiths, uh, and their children, Gladys, Pauline, John Bonani, Issa, Marion. Lord, we thank you for those people, and we know that you know what they need, and we ask you to bless them. We're going to um, take on the daily readings now. I was very torn in choosing uh, which one I was going to do, but I think Acts 1 uh, is is kind of so exciting, really, and it's sort of a real turning point in in the history uh, of the church uh, and so on. It's something that's that's really central, obviously, to everything that that we do. So um, Debbie's going to come and read Acts 1 for us. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to those men 
and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For for John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem over the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to a room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture has been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number, and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. And everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language, Akadema, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he, added to the 11, he was added to the eleven apostles. Thank you, Debbie. Andrew, um, you've some words of encouragement for us, I hope. (laughs)
I hope these are encouraging words. I've been thinking recently about how we look after the blessings that God gives to us um, day by day. Oops, a bit loose, sorry. Um, and I'd like to think this morning together, uh, encourage one another by thinking about uh, stewardship, uh, brethren and sisters, how we care for what, for what God has given us and what God has revealed to us and the great hope that we have um, that we have been um, given, that our eyes have been opened to. This has come about re- recently in the Bible reading group in Cholton. We've been preparing to look at the life of David and in that preamble to the life of David we've been looking at the um, first book of Samuel and how Samuel was brought into the temple. It confused me at first because it talks about the temple but it's actually the tabernacle, isn't it? Um, We've been looking at the early years of Samuel and how he came into the tabernacle um, presented by Hannah. And we're all familiar with the, the two sons of Eli, the priest, Hophni and Phinehas, um, how they abused their position in the temple, uh, so much so that they forced people to give them the best cuts of meat instead of just taking by chance what came out of the pot. They forced the people into making gifts to them. They even abused the position they were in by carrying on in an immoral way with the the women who worked in the courts of the tabernacle. And Eli is warned of this by God, of the consequences of his two sons' evil behaviour. But nothing changes much. It seems to me when we, we look at the account carefully, although Eli couldn't restrain his two strong sons, he seemed to go along with it anyway. Uh, the thing that made me uh, and some of others think about this is that at the death of Eli, we, we are told that when Eli was, uh, when he died, he was an old man and he was very heavy, as if he had sort of joined in the good life that was coming from um, the, the bad actions of his two sons. Now, the point I wanted to make is that Hophni and Phinehas and Eli, of course, were all priests. They were called to serve and I think, I was trying to think of a definition really, something succinct, but we'll all have different ones. But to me it seemed they were there to promote harmony between God and his people Israel. But they failed. They failed um, because they knowingly and continually went against God's wishes. They were not, if you like, good stewards of what God had put in their charge, what God had appointed them to look after. They were not good stewards were they and if we go back further to the time uh, Israel was brought out of Egypt we read of God's plans for the people just if you could please turn with me to Exodus chapter 6 a familiar word so I don't want to spend too long here but you can just listen if you like in Exodus chapter 6 at verse 6 this is God talking to Moses therefore Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you from out from under the yoke of the Egyptians." And there's some key words there, aren't there? Some expressions. He'll free them from being slaves. 
wants to think about us in all this as well. He'll redeem them. He'll take them as his people. He will be their God. He will bring them to a land. He will give the land to them. And he is the Lord. And if you like, they were to be God's witnesses, weren't they? They were to be a testimony to God. They were to be good stewards, if you like, of the way of life God was giving to them. But, but were they? If you just um, turn a few chapters on into chapter 16 of Exodus, they hadn't gone far into the wilderness and what do we read in chapter 16 at verse 2? In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. You know, they, their eyes were blinded to all that had happened to them. All they wanted were pots of meat and a good nosh up. That's, that's what they were thinking about. And they... The rest didn't matter. You know, they, they were just thinking about the present, the here and now. We can't believe it, can we? We never grumble, do we, about, about things? I'm being a bit cynical now. Of course we do. And then we feel bad afterwards, don't we, when we think about all the blessings that we have, and yet we grumble. I heard a little, it's like a cute story, really, the other, the other day, but the story's told of a guy who came into a church looking very sad. What's the matter, the minister said. Well, two weeks ago, my uncle died and left me £75,000. Then a week ago, my auntie died and left me £50,000. So the priest said, well, what's the matter? He said, well, nobody's died this week. <laughs> it's a cute story, isn't it? But, just because we are blessed or we've asked for God's help doesn't mean we just sit back and wait for things to drop out of the sky to us, does it? Doesn't mean we just sit under the tree and wait for the apples to fall. We have to demonstrate our commitment to God by getting our shirt sleeves rolled up and getting on with the task, getting stuck into um, being good stewards. <coughs> Often God told his people, as we look through these chapters, and I'm sure we're all familiar with it, God says, like he did to Joshua, I will be with you, like he did to Moses, I will be with you. Don't do anything, just be there. Leave it to me. But we have to make the effort, don't we, in order for God to work through us. And again, if we just go on to chapter 19 of Exodus, God draws his people to him through Moses at Mount Sinai and says... Lovely words to them again. Exodus chapter 19 at verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words Moses was to speak to the Israelites. 
So again there's some key expressions there, aren't there? Carried on eagles' wings. Treasured possessions. A kingdom of priests. A holy nation. And it was the thought that this nation was to be a kingdom of priests that reminded me that we, through our baptism and our commitment to Jesus Christ, we have become part of this spiritual Israel, haven't we? We've become um, part of this kingdom of priests. We've become grafted on to that natural root. The Apostle Paul tells us this. And if we're in agreement with this, and, and I hope we are, then what was it we said the work of the priest was? Called to serve and promote harmony between God and his people, Israel. But I think the role has widened quite a bit since the time of Jesus, hasn't it? As we read in Acts chapter 1, the, uh, the apostles were told there, you will be my witnesses, verse 8 of chapter 1. Now I appreciate that was spoken to the apostles who were shortly to receive the Holy Spirit, but we too have a commission, don't we, to be witnesses for Jesus and for God. A commission to be good stewards of the treasure that is the gospel message handed to, to each one of us when we committed ourselves in baptism. Now at this time of the year we hear a lot about um, harvest uh, thanksgiving services, don't we? And I read recently a, a thought that I'd just like to share with you um, when we think about bringing things to, uh, to give thanks for. <clears throat> it just said, instead of wondering when he's going to get a slice of handout pie, a good steward is busy baking pies, enjoying the results and sharing what he has with others. Instead of just waiting for a handout of the pie, a good steward is busy making the pie so that he can give some to others and share what he has with others. And God can only use us if we turn up for work, in other words, can't he? He can only use us if we turn up for work. And sometimes we can forget that we have been redeemed. We have been bought with a price. <clears throat> and now all the things that we share and we, sorry, that we have in our lives are there for sharing, aren't they? All these gifts that we have from God are primarily for us to use in our work before the Lord. Workers in this kingdom of priests as witnesses. And it's scary, isn't it, that we are like called to this kingdom of priests, this special um, nation of spiritual Israel. And the great thing is, whether we're old or young, we're all involved in the harvest that is to come, aren't we? And the planting that we do now in our lives is something that we will have to give account for in the time to come. We all plant seeds in our lives, don't we? We all plant things in our lives and we all have to bear the consequence of what grows. So let's take care with what we're planting. It says, doesn't it, poor spiritual sowing leads to a poor spiritual harvest. But there's something very important here that a good steward will not sit in judgment on somebody who is having a poor harvest at the time. Perhaps somebody who's got a poor harvest now, but they're sorry for their earlier mistakes and regrets. We're told that our mistakes are wiped out, aren't they, if we come to Jesus. And what would Jesus have said 
when somebody regrets what they've done, they would say, your sins have been forgiven. And a good steward is also a merciful steward, bringing back to God those who are seeking him again. He doesn't sort of look as if, oh, that's a bit of a, a poor crop there. I wonder what they've been doing. A good steward is a merciful steward. He said, well, come and have some of mine. And I think the bread and the wine before us remind us of these things, don't they? Of returning back to the Lord Jesus. So we must also suppress feelings we have of perhaps favouritism or preference when we see uh, areas where we can work with, with different people, where we can help with our brothers and sisters. I think I've mentioned before how humbled I was when I heard somebody speaking earlier, um, early on in the year, about God's family and how we're all adopted into this family. We're grafted on, as we've said, um, but what a risk God took in bringing us into his family. What a risk when he just opened the doors and said, everybody, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. He took a great risk, didn't he? Because um, there was no knowing how we're going to turn out, how we're going to live our lives. I suppose God did know, but he took that risk, if you can understand what I'm saying. There were no terms and conditions. He just accepted us. So, we too must be prepared to take risks with people we have not labelled as favourites. Or let's not give people labels. Let's not write people off. We can sometimes label somebody as a, oh, a waste of time or a troublemaker or selfish or full of their own ideas. Or they never listen, etc. It says we, we give people labels, don't we? So, like the story I recounted to you earlier about the man who had not inherited anything that week, we should be looking for areas in our lives where we can serve Jesus rather than serve ourselves. I used the example of the baker uh, just now. But we're not all bakers, are we? I'm not just speaking literally here though, but we're all good at something, aren't we? We can all do something. It's a matter of what we can do. And that varies, doesn't it, from person to person in, in the Ecclesia. It varies from group of people to group of people, from brother and brother and sister to sister, from family to family, from Ecclesia to Ecclesia. But we can all do something. We all have some seed to sow in hope and faith that God will water and sustain the growth. And looking at life like this, I think it um, lets Jesus draw nearer into our lives, to draw closer to us, for we are thinking of more of what is in his interest rather than just in our own personal interests. And I think this opens up the thoughts on how we feel about ownership and possessions, doesn't it? Ownership is a key point in understanding... Um, biblical stewardship just take a few minutes and think about all the things that you have some are tangible some aren't, some are like health aren't they and some are tangible like clothes or where we live but just think about all the things that we're blessed with all sorts of images come into our mind don't they things we treasure as blessings um, life itself 
water and food and warmth microwaves you know being a bit silly there but we are so blessed aren't we we are so blessed we've got so many things in our lives but step back and who owns all that stuff really who who owns it all really it's not ours is it a steward doesn't own the property he manages so he needs to manage things in a way that will please the boss if you like that will please his master now this rubs the wrong way sometimes in our lives doesn't it we talk about my time we talk about my space my career our car that's mine I've just bought it I've worked hard for this I deserve it I'm having a well earned rest but in Corinthians we read for who makes you different from anyone else what do you have that you did not receive and if you did not receive it why do you boast as if you did not in other words every, every good gift we have and sometimes the, the things that come into our lives that we can't understand are brought there by God and we need to keep this in mind as stewards just let me read a little article I came across the other day just talking about stewards it says like a wise investor a good steward does three things he looks to the future he refuses to be influenced or sidetracked by those who are blowing everything they have on immediate pleasures living just for the moment secondly a good steward is disciplined and patient they remain steady through the highs and lows of life understanding that in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart and thirdly a, a good steward will take risks for the benefit of his boss not foolish risks but prayed over and carefully thought out risks no investor can be totally sure his financial future won't come crashing down if something drastic happens but here's the difference when we follow God's plan for our lives even if we lose some of it on earth we can still gain much more in the coming kingdom looking to the future then don't lose hope in Jesus as did the Israelites in the desert so quickly and that's a human trait isn't it don't lose hope and the bread and the wine as the Bible tells us proclaim the Lord's death till he comes this is hope on the table before us so let's not lose hope brothers and sisters secondly let's be disciplined and patient let's try and keep steady when our life is rocked by the things that we say have gone wrong they've not gone wrong it's just something we've got to get through in our lives they are storms we have to sail through knowing that God is with us but sometimes the dark clouds block God out don't they I've been there they do and that's where we can support one another so let's do that brethren and sisters let's be patient and be disciplined and thirdly take risks for the benefits of the boss I'm not being disrespectful here but in other words don't be afraid to step out in faith as you do and it's happened to me some little recognition of what you're doing comes to you nobody else notices it but we do it just comes round that only we may notice step out in faith and keep the big picture 
in mind. In Matthew's Gospel we read about faithful servants, stewards. And perhaps before I finish we could just look for a couple of minutes at Matthew uh, 25. Here we have that, those well-known uh, verses about the parable of the talents. I'd just like to look at a couple of verses though. Verse 14 in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and then trusts his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. I think that's important that in verse 15, each according to his ability. Jesus wasn't saying there's favouritism, it's all about what we can handle. Jesus knows what we can handle and he won't give us more. So let's not ask him. And he won't, we won't become burdened down. Jesus knows what he has called us to do. And in the parable, the master there didn't burden the one talent steward with, with five talents, did he? And vice versa. <coughs> but I'm not saying here... Um, that those of us with lots of stuff are the best stewards, or those with least things are not very good stewards. This is not at all what Jesus is saying. God knows us intimately and he calls us to have responsibilities that we're able to bear, or what time we've got. He knows our full situation. It's based alone on the knowledge that God has of us. So, we are concerned only with being a good steward of whatever Jesus entrusts to us. And he does this knowing that we're capable of handling it. And in verse 19, the other end of the parable we read, just find it, after a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And it may seem a long time, brethren and sisters, but Jesus will return. He hasn't changed his mind. The promises still remain and the bread and the wine proclaim that to us. At his return, the stewards will receive their recognition. The first two stewards were rewarded for multiplying what was entrusted to them. Verse 21, of verse 20 we read, the one who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. Verse 22, the man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. I think the two expressions I want to refer to there are, in both verses it says, see, I have gained See, I have gained. I've done something about it. I've tried to, to use what you've given me, Lord. Jesus entrusts us with things. He doesn't, um, he doesn't, if you like, sit there with a load of strings and we're just like puppets in his hands. He doesn't control us like string puppets, does he? Sitting somewhere above us, pulling the strings, tweaking things, controlling our stewardship. We have choices. We have the freedom to mess up what God gives us or to prosper them 
And Jesus lets us handle it all. He's not going to handle it for us. This is obvious from the, the state of the third steward. Verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And I think this is like us saying, well, um, God's standards are too high for me. Oh, I'll never do that. I'm, it's scary, this. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and let everybody get on with it and nobody will notice me just sitting here. Let everybody be about their business. In other words, we, we bury the talent that we have. And that's not being a good steward, is it? By God's grace, we can all do what uh, Jesus asks of us to do. Even when it seems perhaps hard as we stare at the task before us. We can all do it. We can all get there. Whatever we're asked to do. I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes when I was a kid on my bike, we used to go out cycling with all you know, boys, you all... I'm going to get first to the top of the hill and we're racing along. You come to the hill and you see this serious hill in front of you and you start on it. But as you get halfway up, it, it's not as bad. And I think, I find that now when we're out walking, you're walking along, we've got to go up there. But as you start it, it somehow seems to come down, doesn't it? As you get into it, it doesn't seem as bad. Or, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when you're out looking at some lovely pictures, you know, the best landscapes aren't ones with beautiful blue, serenian blue skies. They've got clouds in them. And I think life's like that. Life is best when, yeah, there's blue skies, but the clouds in it make it more interesting, doesn't it? I think that. And uh, I think there's a great message in that for us. Clouds come, but they needn't ruin everything. Sometimes they can enhance our life. So, brethren and sisters, let's grasp these opportunities while we can. By God's grace, we can do it. Especially if we support one another along the way the first two stewards knew their master's expectations and that's the sign of a good steward knowing what your master expects and recognised and the master recognised the work of the stewards it meant something to the master just as what we do isn't empty it means something to Jesus it was and will be appreciated so finally, in these last days, brothers and sisters, I'd just like to finish by um, asking us and myself a question. What does the Lord expect of us as his stewards? He says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Uh, Andrew just took us briefly there to, to Micah 6 and going through all those things reminding us that we've been called to be a, a kingdom of, of priests 
and that we have a job there to, to do. I think Micah 6 is, is probably about how um, we, do, we do that. What does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? We're going to sing that now. It was interesting, I think, that, that Andrew said that God doesn't give us sort of more than we can handle. You know, sometimes it might seem hard. Sometimes we get stuff that's, that, you know, you think perhaps you wouldn't choose, but he doesn't give us more than we can handle. So it's a really good job, I think, if I can put it in those terms, that, uh, that he gave the primary task of reconciliation to Jesus. Um, because if somebody said, oh, this is, you know, you've just got to you know, live, a, live a good life and, and, and be perfect and so on. You, you, maybe, maybe some of the more arrogant of us would be tempted to say, I'm up for that, I'll, I'll give it a go. You know? um, maybe some of us are a bit more realistic and would say, uh, no, leave me out of that one. Um, but the way that God set things up in the sense that there was only one chance of getting it right. If Andrew says that you know, we should sort of take risks uh, in, in terms of, of, of stepping out to do things for, for, for God, that's, that's, that's what Jesus was. I mean, it, it's easy to look back with hindsight and to think, you know, it, it, it couldn't, something couldn't have gone wrong in that, in that process. Because God knew what was going to happen. And I know, you know, you start saying this what-if stuff and you're on very dangerous ground and you can get attacked from all directions when somebody says, no, 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 you know, don't, don't, even, don't even go there. But it, Jesus did something that we couldn't do. We weren't capable of it. Um, uh, and he was. It wasn't easy for him either. You know, I think of him in Gethsemane there, and I don't understand it. I don't understand why it was so. You know, I look at Jesus, I think it must have been easy for him, and it wasn't, was it? He he sweat drops of blood, struggling with what he'd got to do. Um, but he did, uh, he did do that, and he he did that for us. And as a result of that, um, there is reconciliation, and he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation um, uh, so before we take the bread and wine I'd, I'd like us to sing Jesus be the centre and, uh, and think about how that, the fact that he's done it has changed things for us and that Jesus is now um, the, the centre uh, of our lives once we've sung that um, Neil's going to put down his jello <laughs> and come across and give our thanks for for the bread. Our loving Father, thank you for your gift of grace, and we thank you now for this bread. Lord Jesus, we're going to do what you asked us to do in a moment. We're going to share this bread as are multitudes of your disciples all around the world. Um, And as we do so, we're going to remember... Uh, what you've done for us we're going to share of this the one loaf um, and remember your amazing gift of love Lord Jesus some of us you've made stewards of um, of a lot materially some of us you've made stewards of virtually nothing materially but we we remember now that um, without you 
we all have nothing. And with you and in you and through what you have done, Lord, we have everything. And we thank you uh, for that gift. Father, thank you for your gift of grace and mercy um, in allowing your son to die for our sins. Thank you for your forgiveness. Um, And we pray that you'll help us to be better stewards of what you give us materially and spiritually. Um, And and Father, we look forward to to when Jesus comes back and, uh, and we will... Um, have everything in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Oh, Lord God, it's a staggering thing that you, the almighty creator of the universe and of this wonderful earth that gives us life, you hold each of us, each and every one of us, as a treasured possession in your hands and you love us and you give us so much you give us shelter you give us warmth you give us food and you give us drink and you've given us this cup this cup which symbolises your lovely son and Father we've read of how you loved your children Israel and how you brought them out of slavery out of bondage and out of suffering and you set them free you set them free to a life of worshipping you and it's the same for us Lord because of Jesus we are set free we've been set free from the bondage of sin And Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you because it must have been so hard for you. You could have shown those people who sent you to your death, you could have shown them there and then that you were the Son of God. You are the Son of God. And as you hung on the cross, the pain, we can't imagine the pain but in the agony you you could have taken yourself down off that cross but because you loved us you gave absolutely everything for us and you suffered for us and your blood was spilled for us the blood which cleanses us and the blood which we remember now in this cup of wine And Father, it's because that you gave Jesus that we are the redeemed. And it is our great hope, a hope that one day we shall see the face of our Saviour as we come into your kingdom and worship you for eternity. Please hear this prayer in his name. Amen. I don't know, uh, there are probably very few people uh, here in the room who are, who are old enough uh, actually to, to remember um, uh, Beyond the Fringe and uh, um, uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. I think it was, um, but there, there was, uh, you'll see where this is going in a minute, just bear with me for a few seconds. Um, 
There was a sketch in one of those um, where, where Peter Cook is this uh, intrepid RAF pilot or whatever, and uh, uh, so uh, Dudley Moore's the pilot. Peter Cook says to him, uh, Perkins, at this stage in the war, we need some totally um, pointless and meaningless sacrifice, so we're just going to send you off on a mission and, uh, from which you're not going to come back. And he goes, oh, jolly good, sir. Um, yes, uh, happy to do my bit, whatever. Uh, so he says, so this is goodbye, Perkins. And he goes, uh, shall we just say au revoir? And he says, no, Perkins, we'll say goodbye. Um, we, we have this, um, this, this idea, I think, that, um, that, that goodbye is something final, where, where maybe au revoir or whatever, you know. Is, uh, you know and we, so we, we tend not... Um, to say goodbye that, that often, we tend to we tend to say see you later, um, you know, see you next week, whatever, um, because we I think we kind of slightly shy away from the from the final. Sometimes we we will, um, but um, does anybody know where goodbye comes from? Yeah? Oh yes, well you see we've got a hand over there, and I heard um, Sylvia muttering as well. It's a contraction of the phrase, God be with you. And that comes down to goodbye. Um, and it's, it's more explicit, perhaps, in, in some languages than, than it is in English. If you, if you were, were speaking Spanish, and of course uh, Vicky's not here uh, this week, they would say, vaya con Deus, um, go with God. Uh, and when we think uh, about sort of what... Uh, Andrew was saying, and the things that, that, that we want to, to, to do, what the things God wants us to do and we want to do for, for him. Integral to this is, 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 is the whole promise that Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone in this process. We weren't able to do it. That's why he had to send Jesus in the, in the first place. And when he committed to us the ministry of reconciliation, as he says in 2 Corinthians 5, um, that's, on the, that's on the back uh, of the promise that, that he made at the end of Matthew, lo, I'm with you always. Um, the angels in Acts 1 said, don't stare up into heaven. What you've got to do has got to be done here, has got to be done now. Yes, you need that encouragement, you need that vision of what's ahead to, 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 to take you there. But it's, but it's, it's now, and it's here that we need to do it, and we do it, um, with God. So, so at the end of this, when we, we say goodbye, let us say, let it be an encouragement for each of us that God will be with us during the coming week to do what He wants to do. And uh, we're going to sing Hallelujah, sing to Jesus as our final hymn. And um, uh, the, the second verse there has that um, reference back to Acts 1. Though the cloud from sight received him when the 40 days were over, shall our hearts forget his promise. I am with you evermore. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were able to do what we couldn't do for ourselves. Thank you 
that we have forgiveness for our sins. Thank you that we have encouragement when times are hard. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can look to you and know that all of the things that we find hard, you found hard too. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you are always here, always protecting and caring, even when we don't see it. Thank you that you have put in front of us something that is so wonderful that we can't even imagine it. But we know and we trust in you that when we see your kingdom, um, we will just be blown away. And help us, Lord, to discharge our responsibilities and our response to the way in which you've dealt with us in a way that brings glory and honour to you. Be with each of us today, tomorrow, through the coming weeks to help us be salt to the world, a light for those who don't see you clearly enough. Help us to reflect you in our lives, in our dealings with each other, so that we may give you glory. So that we can act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with you in recognition of who you are. Amen.